Hello. Hello, Hannah. And hello, everyone listening. Welcome back to The Bleeding Grave. Hannah, how are you this week? I'm all right. I got a lot done regarding stuff with social media. Um, Yes, you did. We had so many more issues with... uh, the oh my god hosting you. feeds and all of that but it is all taken care of about time thank you i know that was a lot of work and i know you just took it upon yourself <laughs> but thank you because it is something that we definitely need to you, get everything off the ground you're welcome um and thank you because i know you've been doing a lot of background work that mm-hmm. um we're not going to get super into yet but there's been just a lot of background stuff that austin's been taking care of as well that he just kind of uh, took in stride, and I appreciate you doing all of that as well. So thank you. Know, you know, it's a team effort, Hannah. It is. And the only way this is going to work is if we work together. But that's why I asked you to do a podcast with me is because I know that we work well, and I think we kind of covered this in our trailer episode. Yeah. But at the same time, so far, I've been having a lot of fun. I mean, I do get tired of you, but not with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, in reality, this actually makes him have a higher threshold for dealing with me. A little bit. I've actually, like, the more she's over at my new house, she is becoming less and less annoying. You can act like, you can just go right ahead and act like you didn't tell me to literally come over here whenever the fuck I want. Oh, on multiple occasions. (laughs) Multiple occasions. I have told this woman, just come over whenever you want. And I, like, try to be polite, right? Because I'm like, wow, it's your own home, so I'm going to give you space and I'm not going to barge in like you did when you lived with us into my room all the time. But it's it's been a while now. It's been a while, it, so it has been. So you, I've given you your time. You have given me my time and in I'm my your house, neighbor now, and so. you, you, just down the road. Yep. Oh, one little thing I wanted to say. So I don't know if everyone knows, but I got a new kitty, and she has this new thing. So whenever I go into a new uh, into a room, she's always behind the corner. As soon as I walk past it, she'll leap out and she'll like attack mm-hmm. my leg. But she won't just she won't. Att- Tack it. She'll just kind of bad at it. She'll she'll boop she'll boop my thighs or boop <laughs> my calf just with the tiniest little doop. Oh my gosh! And for anybody who's a cat owner, I feel like they will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but it's just it's just boop. That's that's the best way I can describe it without showing. Yeah. And so I just wanted to say I am a, I'm excited that I have a cat, which I thought I'd never say in my life. <laughs> but it's just nice to have a pet, and she is just. She's awesome, and she I, is pretty stinking cute. She right. In other pet news, I also have a new pet. Oh, that's right. Yes, she does. My partner and I adopted a dog from my cousin Austin's aunt, and so she came home with us a little over a week ago. She's doing really good. We just got the second bed into um, the second bedroom, and she has decided it's hers because sunshine is in it all day long. So, uh, little Miss Ginger. Little Miss Ginger. Just. A little sweetheart, very sassy, um, very nervous, but she's getting better. She's figuring it out. That's good. That's <laughs> really good. I've seen the snaps, and uh, your partner there sent me a snap the, uh, today of yes. you cuddling with Ginger. Yes. I just said gross. <laughs> <laughs> I barely get any... You're gross. You're gross. <laughs> I barely get any snaps from your partner there and (laughs) And when you do it's a picture of me and the dog (laughs) i've never once gotten an actual snap and the first time i get an actual snap it's you and ginger that sounds about right first thing that came to mind was that's cute 
but I'm going to text gross. Of course. Gross. That's, that, it's that's, an obligatory gross. Obligatory? Yeah, obligatory. obligatory yeah. Oh. I don't know. It just oh, does. Oh, no. Should that be the name of the episode? Obligatory gross. Obligatory gross. <laughs> gross. Gr- obligatory gross. We'll put a pin in it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, we'll put a pin in it. We'll see what else happens in this episode. Because there's a lot to cover there's today. There's a lot to cover today. So, so without further ado. Let's flip a coin. Hannah, ladies first. What do you call this week? Tails. Tails. All right. It was right on my phone. Uh, it is Tails. All right. So buckle up. I have a bit of a longer story this week. I've been saving it. Are you ready? I am so ready. Austin, have you heard of the Black Eyed Kids? Vaguely. Vaguely black. So from what I know of Black Eyed Kids is they're these, not necessarily demonic, but they're these kids that will like either one or in pairs obviously you're going to correct me if I'm wrong, would go up to people's houses and try coercing them out of their house or coming with them. They know that people will go to a child that's in need and try to help them. So you're close. Okay. Okay. So now I, I've i heard about them and I'm excited to learn more. And if you've got a long story on this, I am fully prepared and on the edge of my seat. Wonderful. I have seven pages of nightmare fuel for you. Hello. All right. <laughs> All right. The Black Eyed Kids are a modern urban legend that first surfaced in the 80s and 90s. They usually present as children, somewhere between the ages of 6 and 16, with pale skin and completely black eyes. There's usually two of them, one older and one younger. They just seem off. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of the uncanny valley feeling where it's like, it looks human, but there's something wrong. They're usually dressed really weird or old-fashioned. It seems like... They're trying to blend in, but they don't really know how. They generally have long bangs or wear hats that cover their eyes very easily. They don't usually show their eyes until after people have denied them what they want, and then they usually start to get angry, and they'll look up at you, and you can see their eyes. They also seem to talk in old-fashioned ways or just really weird ways, again, just seeming like they're trying to blend in. Usually the older of the two will be the one to speak, and they seem to not be able to speak in more than two to three sentences at a time. Some people think they're extraterrestrials, vampires, Irish fairies from old lore, or a type of spirit. Before approaching homes or people, they've been seen staring directly at each other as if they're communicating telepathically. Just kind of like staring, like... Imagine two kids standing on the sidewalk and you see them and you're like, oh, they're just standing there talking. And then you realize they're just standing there staring at each other, not moving, not saying anything. Okay, so it's the weird kids. Yeah. Kind of like. Remember, they're usually dressed very weird. True. They have like really long hair. You can't even necessarily see their eyes sometimes. Mm -hmm. So they're usually seen hitchhiking or begging or showing up on front doorsteps asking to come inside. Okay. Most people describe fear washing over them at their site, especially when they notice the eyes. People have also reported having a hard time moving, feeling like they can't move, or feeling as if they're being drawn towards the doors and windows to let the kids in. When people deny them what they want, they usually get hostile or aggressive, demanding that they be invited in as they can't enter unless they're invited. Kind of like vampires. Kind of like vampires. Okay. Usually, once people have finally gotten away from them, they report that when they look back, the children have just disappeared, like, in an unnatural way. Like, there was nowhere for them to have, like, run and disappeared and, like, gotten out of sight, and, like, they're just gone. 
No one really knows what happens once they enter your home or vehicle, as most people usually listen to their gut and don't let them enter. I do have a story that mentions about what happens when they enter. I've heard a couple different stories, but mm-hmm. more often than not, they don't get let in. Okay. Now, when you say different stories, is this like different like cultural renditions, or this different is different encounters? Just a, okay, gotcha. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, this didn't. They're very modern as far as cryptids and supernatural things go. They didn't surface until the 80s or 90s. At least not very publicly. Okay. So, going on to the first story. is Back in 1996, Brian Bethel, a reporter from Texas, reported two separate sightings in a ghost-related mailing list. The first sighting was his own encounter, and the other took place in Oregon. While Bethel was in town one night about a year before this story came out, He was sitting in his car, and he heard a knock on his window. When he looked up, there were two boys standing next to his car, between 9 to 12 years old. He cracked open his window, and the closer standing of the two boys explained to him that they had come to see Mortal Kombat, which had just come out, but they forgot their money and were looking for a ride home and back so that they could get their money and then go see the movie. Bethel noticed that the last showing of the movie that night was about halfway through, and thought that it was weird that they wanted a ride home and all the way back to just miss the movie. Yeah, that is a little that's a little unnerving. Yeah. Bethel noticed the physical reaction to panic that had taken over his body. He described it as feeling as if he were a prey animal and they were hunting him. That's the feeling he got. That was that was the natural physical reaction that he got. From just the beginning of this encounter. Wow. He also noted that he understood in the moment how ridiculous this reaction seemed to be in the presence of two young boys. Yeah, it's like the last gut feeling I'd feel like if you just had two random boys come up to you. It gets better. The boy who was talking kept reassuring him. It wouldn't take too long. They were just kids who wanted to watch a movie. They didn't have a gun. Specifically said they They didn't didn't have have a gun. gun. Okay, that's sketch. And after that last bit of information, Bethel had enough. He looked to check that his door was locked, and when he looked back up, he was staring into the black voids that were the child's eyes. He tried to apologize to the boys and told them that he couldn't give them a ride and rolled up his window. The child who hadn't been speaking looked confused by this, and the one who had been speaking started banging on the window, saying something to the effect of, we can't come in unless you tell us it's okay. Let us in. Fuck no. (laughs) At this point, Bethel took off in his car, and he said when he looked back in the rearview mirror, no one was standing where he had left the boys. Like, I have... Just poof. I have full body chills right now. (laughs) And I did these notes. This isn't new information to me. (laughs) We can only come in if you let us in. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are wild, man. Yep. So he also pointed out that even if they had sprinted, there wasn't anywhere for them to have hidden that quickly between when he took off and when he looked back. So one thing to take into consideration. One of the sources stated that months earlier, Bethel had written a piece about the idea of creating urban legends or spirits through thought and power that we give it, known as thought-altering reality. So that's just something that a source mentioned, though... Bethel swears his story is entirely true, and he, in fact, thinks it may have dampened his reputation as a trusted reporter. Oh, he was a reporter as well. Yeah. I don't think you mentioned that. I did. I did mention that. Oh, oops. (laughs) So that's just something, some things to keep in mind with that. Okay. Duly noted. 
I've got some rapid fire things from Black Eyed Kids stories. Because there was just so many, so I decided to just compile some of the, like, weirdest things to give you an idea of the... To give you an idea of just the the shenanigans these kids are up to. Shenanigans? Shenanigans. All uh, right. The first one asked for ketchup for their apple. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what? And I actually specifically remember in the story after they had said no and the kid went away. The owner of the home had gone out there and noticed there was an apple with, like, one bite out of it just, like, tossed on the ground. Right outside his door. Can I have some ketchup? I'm sorry to those who like ketchup and apples, but... I don't think it's an actual thing. I don't... Honestly, I feel like everything's a thing. And I feel like there's that 1% of the population that likes it. To go up to a door and be like, can I have some ketchup for my apple? Like... Yeah. Even if it was a normal looking cat, I'd be like, what are you on? Right. (laughs) <laughs> all right um asked to use the telegraph in the 90s yeah let's use a telegraph i mean yeah it was like minimum the 90s so asked to use the phone and when handed a cell phone to use outside looked inside pointed to the landline and went no i want to use the real one they really want inside don't they they don't want to be outside the real one a land I, which I, goes back to the like outdated thing yeah they're very out like they're like 60s and before it seems like Mm -hmm. well no with cell phones i mean that was even the mid to late 90s for cell phones and those were big but regardless exactly i think this one was um a more recent one okay so just these are going to be anywhere from like the 90s to now okay so makes sense if not given what they want they will look at each other like they're communicating telepathically and then give another excuse for why they need to come in like, they're just making it up on the spot at this point, but telepathically. But telepathically, like, should I say this? Mm-hmm. No, 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 say this. Okay, yeah, that's even better. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Or it's like, won't well, try saying this. Black-eyed kids showing up on a woman's third-story apartment balcony in the middle of the night and being gone by the time police arrive. I'm sorry, balcony? Mm-hmm. Balcony. Balcony. Third story. Mm-hmm. And then they're just gone. Mm-hmm. Weird. This one is a quote. One victim stated, when I took that second step back, she became commanding, almost hostile, saying, we're not going to hurt you. If we wanted to do that, we would have broken in. I'll ask again. May we come in and use your phone? Very threatening. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not getting... That, that one was a teenage girl. Like, I mean, I would expect a teenage girl to say something in that regards, but... Mm-hmm. Like, very condescending. Yeah. hmm Yeah. So, what happens if you let them in? I'm... This is all that's been going through my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know. Not many stories include this information, as most people don't let them in. I read or heard one story about a guy who had let them in, but his significant other showed up and got the kids out before something really bad happened. Apparently, the guy was on the ground, and the black-eyed kids were standing over him, seemingly affecting him telepathically. When you say affecting him telepathically, I'm sorry, I kind of... Like, they weren't physically touching him or anything, but he was on the ground. They were standing over him. He couldn't move. He couldn't think straight. Gotcha. Okay. hmm Wow. These kids are not to be trifled with, it yeah. seems like. Another story where a couple let the kids in due to it being cold and a snowy night, a few different things happened. I want to note, they didn't really want to let the kids in, but they felt bad because of how awful the weather was. Right. Mm -hmm. It's cold. There's two children standing. I get it. Okay. Yep. 
So first, the kids insisted that their parents were on their way to get them and that they just wanted to wait inside. The family cat became skittish as soon as the kids entered the home and wouldn't even let the wife pet it. Her own cat wouldn't let her pet her. Mm-hmm. Because of how freaked out. Get them kids out. Mm-hmm. Uh, when left alone with the kids, the husband started getting dizzy and eventually got a nosebleed. When Whoa. the kids got up to use the restroom, the power went out moments later. And from the end of the hall, the kids said, our parents are here. No, thanks. The kids then left through the front door and went to the end of the driveway where there was a car idling that had two large men in it waiting. No, thanks. The men were wearing black suits and ignored any attempt the couple made at communicating with them. They went out Mm -hmm. and tried to communicate with these two large men. Well, I don't think they went all the way out, but I think they were like trying to like flag them down and be like, hey, like, why are your kids out in the middle of like, right? Like any concern, like, and they just ignore them, just got in the car. That was... It was like true men in black shit. See, like, like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. But the whole, our parents are here now. Right after, after the, power, the power goes out? Fuck like, no. That... Mm, mm, mm. I'm not about that. No. I would have been like, great, you can leave them. No. I, I don't... I didn't like that. That was... Thank no. you for that. So, now we're going to get into my friend's story, Wes. His first experiences with them were in dreams, which started when he was a teenager, which would have been in the 90s. Okay, okay. Children with no eyes would appear and follow him around, and he said that they seemed lost. As he got older, they started coming to him while he was awake. He would usually feel a sense of dread when he crossed paths with them. So far tracking. They were almost bad omens for him, as they'd usually show up before something major and tragic would happen in his life or around him. They never came to his door, but would approach him on the street at any time of the day or night. And mind you, a lot of times he has been in New Orleans. Ooh. Where streets are filled with spirits, right? And people and just all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now he normally sees them following or approaching other people, and they seem to mostly leave him alone. Like just out of the blue, or did he do something? They just... just out of the blue. Okay. Probably just evolved, and they were like, okay, we're, we'll find other people. Gotcha. His theory is that they're a type of entity that's crossing over to this side. He thinks that they may not necessarily be good or evil, as those are human constructs that mean nothing to them, since they're not human and they haven't ever been human. Oh, never been. Mm-hmm. Okay. They may also simply be trickster spirits and are just malevolent by nature. In his experience, they would come around more often when him and others would talk about them more openly, putting more energy into the idea of them. He also noticed that they seemed attracted to people who have psychic or mediumship abilities but haven't figured it out yet. Okay, okay. And he didn't come across the lore of the Black Eyed Kids until only a few years ago. But he's been seeing... He's been seeing them since the 90s. being accurately depicted from when he read... A few years ago to what he was seeing in his dreams. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wild. Yeah. So I thought I actually had more stories than that. Oh, that's it? That's it. Wow. I got through that really fast. You really did. That was that was impressive. But like now it's like I want there's there's so many questions now as well. Yeah. I get it why we don't have a whole lot of information on it compared to like Wendigos and Skinwalkers and Well, exactly. Like I said, it's a very modern contemporary type of lore 
started in the 90s. Mm -hmm. The first publication was in a newspaper. There are stories that go back farther than that, but they have been stories that have been passed down in families. But I think the earliest reference I saw of when an encounter happened was like the 50s or 60s. Oh, so even still, so, very recent. Yeah, even still, very this isn't recent. Hundreds of years ago. No. This is less than a hundred years ago. No, and when I say referencing that, I say somebody is telling their aunt's story, and it happened in. And it could be the whole telephone game kind of deal. Yeah, something like that. And which is usually what happens, and I can understand. I it'll be more. It'll be definitely interesting. Like you've already, you've piqued my interest. Like I want to look. I want to look up more as well and see if I can find anything. They are crazy. I was finishing up this research and going through Wes's interview that I did with him uh, and putting stuff into the notes in the middle of the night the other night, and I had to bring Ginger out, and Christian was at work, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I want to go outside. Like, Ginger P, come on, let's go. <laughs> I, know, like, I was like, what if there's black-eyed kids out there? Because <laughs> I, I know I'm not safe in my third-story apartment. No. <laughs> They can get up to balconies just like that. Apparently. Uh, did you uh, just uh, did you see any like documentaries or anything like that on them by chance while you're looking? I didn't see any documentaries. It was actually getting difficult to research because a couple of years ago, somebody made a movie mm-hmm. about the Black Eyed Kids. So oh, a movie. Yeah. What's that movie called? Do you know? Do you remember? I think it's called The Black Eyed Kids. Don't let them in or something like that. Oh, okay. No, no documentaries. There's a lot of podcasts. Um, Astonishing oh. Legends did a, th- I believe it was like a three part on it. Okay. I first heard about them from, and that's why we drink. I'm trying to think, there was at least one other podcast I listened to. Probably, it's probably going to be lore. It's probably, or I would have to guess lore. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah, that's the Black Eyed Kids. See, this is what I was hoping that this podcast was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like this, like right here. This is exactly what I thought. This is awesome, here right here. We're we're here. This is no longer a dream. This is not something I see in my when I close my eyes. This is this is it's real. Right as, here, as far it's as tangible, and it's in front of us. It is as far as as far as we know, because we all, for all we know, this could be a simulation. Everything is a simulation. So before I get into my story. I had one or two other little stories I found that were just like, one is like, the fuck's wrong with this guy? And the other one is probably just going to ruin your day. So I'm going to let you choose one or both. Let's go with the first one. The kind of, what the fuck is wrong with yeah, you guys? Okay. I, don't, I don't feel like ruining my day. Okay, that's that's fair. I can ruin your day on, Another the, ne- day. on, the, next, on the next one. Yeah, I can mentally prepare for it then. All right. So, I saw this news article, and all it said was, guy sues B-dubs for false advertising. Can you guess what the false advertisement was? I have no idea what they were falsely advertising. He is suing B-dubs for calling their boneless wings boneless. When in fact they are just chunks of chicken breasts breaded. People will do anything to make money. He goes on to say they are actually closer to chicken nuggets than wings. Okay, buddy, this has been a meme for five years, minimum. 
And I mean, boneless, like when I think boneless, I always think of what B-dubs has or anybody has their chicken chunks with the sauce on there. He goes, his lawsuit says that boneless implies chicken wings that have been deboned. They are not wings at all. They are made from chicken breasts and just cut up into chunks. Okay. Yeah. He's not he, wrong. He didn't. He's not wrong, but it's not false advertisement, though. At the same time, it's in not, my opinion, it's not lawsuit worthy. No, he's also made other lawsuits that were in the article. Over, I'll just go over those. Oh, so you're t- okay. So this guy does this trying to just he, win a suit. He, he so does. That he, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's also made lawsuits against Tom's Wicked Fresh mouthwash for claiming to be a, all natural when it's not, buddy. It's mouthwash. It can't always be 100% natural. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I get where you're coming from. Like, oh, you can't say you're 100% and everything. Um, That's almost everything that actually says that they're all natural. I mean, there's due l- to... There's loopholes in packaging and advertisement and stuff like that. Oh, 100%. So, yeah, he tried suing Kind Granola because... Their advertising is high in fiber when he's like, well, scientifically speaking, it's not that high in fiber. Buddy. 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 And then the last one he tried suing is Hefty for their recyclable bags for not being 100% recyclable and being able to put them into the recycling. Are they made from recycled material or are they supposed to I be I looked recycled? into that one a little bit more. Yes, they're made from recycling, recyclable material, and they can go into, per, oh. the, per the guidelines of like waste management and any kind of garbage company or whatever, it can go in because it is made out of recyclable pa- plastics. Oh, okay. But the B-dubs one is the most current one. Yeah. And that one hasn't been tossed out yet, but... People are pretty sure it's going to get tossed out. This guy is the reason that packaging labels have asterisks next to things. Um, On this episode, I am talking about the first man killed in the Vietnam War. Oh. So his name was Richard Fitzgibbon. He was a tech sergeant in the United States Air Force. Quick question. Yes. Was he the first man killed in the war period or was he the first American man? You will find out. Okay. In all due time, little one. Okay. (laughs) So just a little backstory on Richard. He was born June 21st, 1920 in Stoneham, Massachusetts. He turned 18 during the Second World War. Richard was drafted into the Navy where he served for the remaining time of the war. After World War II ended, he left the Navy to go and join the Air Force. During Richard's time in the Air Force, he rose to the ranks to become tech sergeant, like I said uh, in the beginning there. He did serve on the Military Assistance Advisory Group, or MAG for short. This group was involved in military personnel training for the South Vietnamese Air Force during the mid-1950s when tensions started to rise between the North and the South. Uh, This was taking place in Saigon in South Vietnam. So basically, like, this group is just, it helps train other militaries to get guidelines and advise how sets the protocol sets the protocol thank you yes i couldn't think of the word sets protocols and everything to just basically make their military better 
So we'll jump ahead a little bit. 1956, Richard was the crew chief during a mission that was being flowed in Vietnam. About midway through the mission, their plane became under attack. The plane did sustain uh, pretty heavy damage, but everyone made it out and back alive. Once everyone who was on the mission was debriefed, Richard had to confront the plane's radio operator. His name was Edward Clark. Keep that in mind. Richard had confronted Edward about how he's performing his duties during the mission. This confrontation was to correct the mistakes made by Edward. Edward didn't like what Richard had to say because Edward thought that he was doing exactly what he was supposed to do during combat. But according to Richard, Edward made some pretty questionable calls that Richard didn't agree with during combat that in Richard's eyes could have potentially saved their plane from getting more damage or getting out, of, getting them out of there quicker. But this confrontation made Edward very upset so where does someone in the military go when they're upset and sulking about their superior yelling at them? To the bar. They go to the on-base watering hole, or a.k.a. the bar. Very good, Hannah. So while at the bar, he was doing a lot of shit-talking of his crew chief, a.k.a. Richard, and having many drinks. Yeah. After many drinks, Edward decided to leave the bar. When he walked out of the bar, he saw Richard sitting on his front porch handing out candy to the Vietnamese children. This is something Richard would do after every mission. Come back to the base, get debriefed, go back to his house, hand out candy. Edward decided to walk up to Richard as the children were scurrying away with smi big old smiles on their face and pockets full of candy. Yeah. Edward makes his way up the stairs, walks right up to Richard, pulls out a sidearm from his holster, and shoots Richard in the head. All because he was super upset at how your crew chief, the one who is in charge of the plane, tells you that you did something wrong. Woof. So Edward was arrested by military police, dishonorably discharged from the Air Force, and was charged with second-degree murder. Good. Pretty sure he's still in prison. There wasn't too much on the aftermath. Unfortunately, Richard did leave behind a wife and a son, Richard Fitzgibbon III. He was only 12 years old when his father was murdered. Oh. That's what I got there. That's, I, it? that's, that's the whole story? That's the whole story. It was more of a, it was a quick, it was definitely a quicker story. Yeah. Oh. So you, that didn't answer my question. Yeah, yeah. No, I just, I realized, <laughs> I realized, I forgot one part here. Now, to answer your question of the first man killed in Vietnam War... He was the very first, first out of the South or North Vietnamese American. There's a little controversy behind this as well. Yeah. His name was actually added to the Vietnam Memorial site in the late 90s because the first casualty, the first death in the war happened more towards the late 50s, early 60s when the war was getting really in full swing. Yeah. Where this was, tensions were just rising at this point. Okay. So his family basically made a whole plea, or a whole case against, or for, why his name needs to be up on the memorial site, which then in turn actually changed the date of when the war actually started. Richard here wasn't the first man killed in combat, but he was technically the first killed in the Vietnam War. But there's a whole nother, there's a, also a whole nother 
aspect of the first person who was actually killed in the Vietnam War. In combat. Their family wanted to have that case dismissed and didn't want his name to be... Having Richard's case dismissed? Having Richard, yeah, sorry. Having Richard's case dismissed as the first death, the first casualty, because of whatever reason. Because it wasn't in combat, it wasn't fighting. Yeah, whatever. Probably. probably. I'm not saying that to to dismiss or um, discount his death Mm -hmm. or anything. Because that was the other thing, because they didn't... Also, they didn't go a whole lot into that family's side and what they wanted to do probably because the judge looked at it and were like no this has already been finalized because you have to go through it's a pretty lengthy process because i mean you have to go through so many different court systems in the world court and everything especially with having the un yeah after world war ii talking to the the one nation's government or whoever designs and puts the names up for memorial sites and everything too that too yeah that's i mean a whole different... they literally had this monument built mm-hmm. and they had to go and just add his name in which i get when oh. did they add his name in uh, in the late 90s okay late night uh, yeah the late 90s i think it was 1999 is okay. when they added his name to that site which I have seen some people have said that you can tell that it was an afterthought that who have who have never heard of uh, Richard Fitzgibbons. You, you have pictures of it? Somewhere. We can post them along with the um, Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some people say that it does look like an afterthought, but that people don't know the story behind it, which I think it's kind of a good story to know. Yeah. Because it's something that was what drew me into this story is because it's it's part of history that will never be taught. Yeah, it's lesser known. Very honestly, you could probably ask anybody in a world history class right now, and ask them, "Do you know who Richard Fitzgibbons is?" No. Do you know? Do you know? No, no one's gonna know. Yeah. They're just gonna know. My when... name, I would not have known. I've actually heard the story before, though. Oh, okay, okay. As well, I mean, they'll tell you, and probably they'll tell you when the war started. But do you know why the war started? Why the war shows that it started in the mid '50s compared to when it actually when the when first bullets the, actually fly. Exactly. Well, thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, that was a that was a good story. It was short, but it was a good one. Short, good. And mm. I learned I learned a few things from it. Yeah, That's exactly. what we're here for. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, should we do a fun fact? Cemetery fun fact? Cemetery fun fact. Hannah, hit us up with a cemetery fun fact. All right. This one is about candles. On the night of November 1st, a candle should be lit for each deceased relative and placed in a window. Could you imagine if you had a huge-ass family? Well, it makes me think of uh, Day of the Dead. No, okay. I see what you're saying more. But it makes me think of that because look at those altars that they have. They'll right. Have, they'll have a full family tree on mm-hmm. those altars. So. Yeah, and they're very well lit by candle. Mm-hmm. But that was an awesome fun fact, Tana. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us here at the Bleeding Grave Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will see you next week. Bye. The Bleeding Grave Podcast is hosted by Hannah Slavic and Austin Wenger. Music done by Hannah Slavic. You can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to listen to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube.